Hey, friends and fellow readers, welcome to another episode of Athens Booked Podcast, where I sit down every week and chat with bookstagrammers, readers, and indie authors about all things, you guessed it, books. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Athens Booked Podcast. I am so excited for this episode. It has been long awaited, but here we go. I have this just amazing conversation with author Nellie Wilson, and we talked so much about her first novel, Need Some More Time, which came out earlier this year, but she also gave us so many good insights and hints to her second novel, Curated, which comes out just next month. So I'm so excited. Let's just jump right in, and I hope you all enjoy. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much, Nellie, for coming on my podcast today. No problem. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) It's going. Um, I so a lot of people know I do like seven thousand things, and um, my teaching team kicked me out of teaching today because I have a cold. And they're like, go home and sleep. So I got to sleep and that was really delightful. So I'm like drunk on on sleep right now. It's great. <laughs> yes. And for once, like I'm not drinking beer, I'm drinking tea. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on, even being a little sickly. <laughs> we'll have to have you come back and we can have a little <laughs> redemption. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I'm when I can like have wine instead of tea. <laughs> Well, for anyone listening who may not have read Need Some More Time yet, um, do you want to just give us a little blurb or elevator pitch for it? For sure. Um, So Need Some More Time is about June, who is a burned out teacher post-COVID, who accompanies her students on their annual trip to sixth grade camp. Um, She kind of views the week as like, oh, I can like reset myself, apply for jobs, figure out what to do. Um, and then on day one, she ends up <laughs> making out with the new camp director and that kind of throws a wrench into her plans, um, and a way of reconsidering her life and career paths. Um, it's a cute little story set in the mountains of Colorado and, um, it's very near and dear to my heart. And I think it, it sheds a lot of light on kind of the not so fun and quirky parts of teaching. So that's one really fun to write, to write. Yeah, absolutely. And are any of the characters I know you've okay well I'm gonna switch gears a little bit I know you may have mentioned before that the camp that they go to is Camp Peak and Sea and is that kind of based on like somewhere you've been before or how'd you come up with that uh yeah so um when I graduated undergrad I ended up teaching outdoor education at two camps one in Ohio and one here in California and um the layout of the camp that they go to, Camp Peak and Sea, is based on both of them kind of combined together. Um, so I wanted to like kind of little give an homage to, to places I love. Um, it's also a like secret love letter mm-hmm. to my own relationship. Um, I met my partner at camp uh, and he and I were like a very gross insta love story at camp when I moved to California. Um, yeah, I was supposed to be here for five months and I'm coming on a decade in January. So that's that. Uh, wow. Oh, I love that. Your own little insta-love story. Yeah, we are insta-love, which is hilarious because I don't 
actually usually read it or that I ended up writing it and living it, which is a very not me situation. <laughs> but yeah, I really wanted to give the camp a cute name. And like, I'm I actually like I'm looking at two books on the history of American summer camps that I read for grad school. And a lot of camps have these like kind of like faux Native American kind of cultural appropriate names. Um, and I didn't want one. So I came up with the cute little name of Peek and See. Um, and it ended up working out really well. And I like it. And you can buy t-shirts with it on it if you want. Yes, yes. Plug the merch store. They're so cute. I need to get one still, but they're adorable. So as far as the characters as well, are they kind of modeled after you and and your partner or anyone else in real life at all? <laughs> um, no, it's been very hard to live down the fact that like my partner is not Colin for a lot of reasons. Um, even though he is just a tall, lanky guy who worked at camp that happens to be like 80% of the guys who work at camp. Um, mm-hmm. June is a little bit different for me. She is definitely always wanted to be a teacher. And I work with a lot of uh, teachers that way who you know, as a little girl, they were playing school and they, they grew up like knew, knowing this was what they wanted to do. And then to reconsider that after, you know, literally 20, 30 years of this being your dream job is kind of where she's at. Um, I fell into teaching mm-hmm. kind of by happenstance uh, eight years ago after transitioning from the world of museums. <laughs> um, but her, <laughs> a lot of what June thinks <laughs> about education and her struggles with kind of the way we're pulled in so many directions do come from my own personal thoughts on education. Um, it's a very personal mm-hmm. story in that way. But yeah, and that's, there are little things that I think I've stolen from from good friends. And then the go-to is that I was finishing up draft one and I was sitting in my office at work and I looked at my co-teacher, whose name is Kevin, and I went, I went, I, I'm sorry, I just used your name and personality for an entire character. I can change it if you want. I'm so sorry. Uh, and he looks at me and goes, I'm famous. <laughs> I was like, calm down. I don't think anyone's going to read this. Um, but it's now hilarious that whenever I hang out with him, like people on Instagram will be like, tell Kevin I say hi. Um, so oh my gosh. Very proud of his, his starring role as the, the, the best friend. As he should. Yes. He should be honored. It's a very vital role. He really helped out there at the end. <laughs> and real Kevin is also definitely a like call you on your BS person. Um, mm-hmm. we were actually at a meeting this morning and I, I sat down and I was like, Oh, I feel like crap. And he goes, go home. Okay. We're moving on. I just like went to his next thing on the agenda. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, going back just a little bit to, because this book does have such a big component of teacher burnout and COVID as I was reading it, I just was wondering if that was hard for you or if it was more, therapeutic and like I don't know if healing is the right word but how that felt like putting yourself in that headspace like to write a whole novel it, a little bit of both I think um and so I think we'll probably get to this later June and Colin were supposed to only be about 20,000 words um the goal was to write like a little novella and then like move into a novel and they insisted on oh. getting a full book because they are <laughs> stubborn in the best way um, <laughs> yes, they are. So, so I think at first glimpse, it wasn't going to be that much about burnout. It was going to be in the background. And then when I started writing, I do think it became very therapeutic to get these thoughts down and to have a place to just uh, process them. Um, which is interesting because, you know, I get reviews where people talk about how 
they feel seen by June and she's talking about things they, they feel like they're not allowed to publicly say, even if they're in other careers. Um, and then I get reviews that are like, God, she's so whiny. And I'm like, well, that's fine. <laughs> um, so I think it's an interesting interpretation. It's like, okay, well, they must be really happy in their life. <laughs> I was like, congratulations, you still get to work remotely, uh, <laughs> which I want to do. Yeah. Um, but I think it was really therapeutic. <laughs> really therapeutic in that way. And it's also one of the reasons that I'm so happy I indie published because I could have control over her narrative. And I think mm-hmm. I was very worried that if I like went through the process of querying and everything that people would have wanted her to stay a teacher um, because I think that fits uh, more of our common conceptions of teachers. Um, and for me, it yeah. wasn't the story I was saying, you know, I have, Dozens and dozens of friends who started in education and left during COVID. I'm in the process of transitioning both in and out, like you know, in and out of teaching and figuring out what the next steps are. Um, and it's yeah. definitely something that is is more common than we like to think. Um, and I think giving giving it a um, like a human face to all these new stories. I think you see statistics and all the you know stats about teachers leaving and how we can't find any teachers. But to really understand mm-hmm. that like it's not an easy decision that anyone makes. No one wakes up one day and is like, I think I'm just going to quit teaching. Um, it is something that that becomes really, uh, it's, a, it's a really like life shattering decision in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I think June for, for me also helped me get a lot of my thoughts straight about what I wanted to do with my life and what next steps were. I don't know, but yeah. it was helpful. I was going to say, are you wanting to do, I mean, I, I, I know you are in the process of writing more books but would you want that to be primary or do you are you happy with that being just kind of this passion project that you do um I like it on the side for right now I mean like obviously everyone's dream is to like Mm -hmm. go viral and pull a Spanish love deception right but um, (laughs) um, I guess or like a like a funny feelings love life forms or something like that right oh my gosh yeah but I think for me I I I really love the work I do um, as a historian, I think that's where my next phase of life mm-hmm. will be. Um, and also realistically, like I live in mm-hmm. Southern California, life is very expensive. <laughs> yeah. So I think I like yeah. balancing a lot of things. I like writing as, as something I do on the side. Um, it feels like a real true creative outlet, um, but also something I take very mm-hmm. seriously. So I often, for a long time, I was saying, like, oh, I have two jobs. Like I'm a teacher and I'm a bartender. But I've kind of shifted it to say like, well, no, I've got three jobs because like being an author has now become its own thing that I really care about and work on and practice and like dedicate significant time to. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. I, um, I do love it. And it's, you know, I think, I think definitely when I started writing, it was like, I'll just see if I can write a book. And now it becomes this like, oh, I can like really give it a shot and make something of this, which has been really, really phenomenal. Um, it's been great. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then you do the whole thing as well as self-publishing. So can you walk us through that journey a little bit? What were the hardest parts or maybe something that surprised you the most with that process? Yeah. So I knew nothing about this world. Like when the shutdown hit, mm-hmm. I started writing during COVID. I think you know, a lot of us ended up like going to romance novels as a comfort because we yes. knew we were happy. <laughs> we, knew, we knew like things would work out well mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah, the ultimate escape. Yeah. 
Right. You know, I've always been a secret romance reader, but I think then realizing the depth and breadth of the diversity and representation that was happening in romance um, was really Mm -hmm. inspiring. I I keep joking that like I was sick of reading books that made me feel bad. And also I felt like I didn't understand. Like I would read these like, you know, man, Booker Prize finalists. I'd be like, I don't get it. Like, I I don't (laughs) think I'm stupid, but I don't get it. But I get the Bergman brothers. Like I'm a, (laughs) and they're beautiful and they're making great commentary. So I, I just started writing, um, you know, for fun. And I, I kind of thought like, oh, like I, I had a friend from college who ended up uh, getting a pretty decent publishing contract uh, for a, uh, a Norse myth retelling, which was beautiful. Um, oh, wow. And I was like, oh, I can like ask her and I get to do this. And then I stumbled into the wonderful world of Kindle Unlimited. And that was the game changer. Yeah. Realizing that there are all of these beautiful stories out there that can be done and I could do it. And if anyone who knows me in real life knows that I'm very impatient. And I think that was the other thing, but I could write a story and within a few months, it could be in people's hands and I wouldn't have to have this mm-hmm. phenomenon of waiting and hearing. And I'm, I also could just kind of like, with the confidence of an eight on the Enneagram, just be like, I don't have to wait for a rejection because I'm just doing it. <laughs> so I think yes. I kind of like just steamrolling myself into publishing um, was really exciting. And that's kind of how I make big decisions. You know, oh, I'm, 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 you know, I I quit my first major in college mid, mid, mid midterm and walked out and dropped the class from my computer and then totally changed my life path. And then I ended up moving to California on a whim and then went to my first master's on a whim. And I just kind of like, if something feels right, I chase it. Um, and that way, Colin's philosophy of doing what feels good for you right now mm-hmm. and not worrying about long-term payoffs is very much me, which is hilarious because I definitely live with mm-hmm. my partner being like a planner <laughs> and like a more cautious person. So I think I'm a little bit more spontaneous in that way. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I wanted to self-publish. I was like, where did we go from mm-hmm. this? So I was self-publishing. Um, I kind of like, sorry, this is how I talk and write. And this is why I go through edits. Um, I had... No, it's perfect. I was just, I was about to go off with you. I was like, yeah, Colin's mindset. <laughs> I will talk about Colin's mindset. I love it. It was actually very fun to write. Um, I I was telling a few very close friends, like, hey, I've like started writing a book and like, it's kind of dirty, but like really good, I think. And um, one of my best friends was like, hey, you know, my sister-in-law edited romance novels for four years as her first job out of college. And I was like, sweet, I've gotten drunk with her. I'm going to call her up right now, Um, which is how I found my editor. Yeah. (laughs) She kind of got, she kind of vetted me through it and was very honest in the sense of like, listen, real talk. It's hard to get a good contract. It's hard to like get yourself out there and tell a story you want. Indie pub for a few books and see how it goes. And then maybe you can query. And I was like, okay, great. Let's do it. Um, and like a week later, I was like, I'm going to book this cool cover artist. Oh my God. She lives down the street. Oh, I have announced a pub date. Oh my God. I'm publishing a book. Like It just kind of like happened within the span of two weeks. And here we are. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. It's a little chaotic. It's just okay, but wait, you like live down the street from from Sam? Um, Sam and I live in the same town. 
Um, Sam and I, I have lovingly bullied her into being my real life friend. Oh my gosh, that's so um, cool. Sam is Ink and Laurel. If you don't know who does like every beautiful cover <laughs> in the entire world right now, it's bonkers how much work she's done. Yes. Um, yeah, so we agreed to meet up actually at the bar that my partner bartends at because he's a teacher and bartends on the side too. And she walked in, she goes, oh, he's been my bartender before. And I was like, great, this is somehow a very small world. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I was, yeah, what a small world. That is so cool. She is delightful in person. Yeah, that's awesome. I've heard nothing but good things of everyone who's worked with her. Yeah, and I had like assumed I was going to like meet her, you know, online. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Um, how wonderful she is and how talented and how she can take a page of me rambling and a very terrible sketch in my notebook and turn it into this absolutely beautiful cover. So <laughs> I'm very happy to to work with her. It is gorgeous. I love it so much. I wish I wish June's finish was real. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need, we do need to go on a hunt to find that. <laughs> yeah, someone was like, "Can we like call Patagonia and get them to make this one specific please? I really need it." And I was like, "I agree." Oh. Oh my gosh. Yes. That, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. How do we make that happen though? <laughs> yeah. Someone, does anyone know anyone in Patagonia? They're donating everything to Mother Earth. So it's, it's good. We should support Shout them. out. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So you found Sam, you found an editor through a friend and someone else that you'd known, you know, in real life. And <laughs> then you just, just, what was the next step? I, just put it, I mean, just put it out there. Start. Did you have yeah. a bookstagram before your like author account? No. If, oh, if, wow. If you scroll far enough about, far enough back on my account, which I have not like parsed or anything, um, this account started as a place that I was teaching yoga online during the pandemic. Oh, wow. And I was teaching like yoga with a history spin. And then I was like, oh, I actually just do like doing history. So I was doing um, once a month, like drunk history lectures on Zoom. Uh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> that fell by the wayside. And it became just a like general figuring myself out account. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it turned into the author account um, when I when I figured out, wow, I should probably have a pen name because this is my actual name is impossible to spell. And also I I like have this, I live in fear of students or like angry family members finding my book and being like, she's corrupting youth, uh, even though like they have no idea. So that's where the no, pen name yeah. came from. Um, good, good call. You can never be too careful with the crazy parents. Sorry if anyone is a crazy parent listening. No, it's one of the reasons I'm not on TikTok because for a while I was making like history TikToks mm -hmm. and then kids would come up to me at lunch and be like, look, you showed up on my FYP. And I was like, wow. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to do a thirst trap TikTok about like scenes and then have my face there. Yeah. So it's delightful. So the pin name was born. <laughs> the pen name was born. Yeah. I just kind of threw myself into it. Um, but I did promise myself like okay three years of doing this you can't like flit out of this little side hustle like you need to give yourself three years of like giving it a real shot and then you can decide if it's for you or not so we're November will kind of be a year since I started writing seriously oh. so we've got we've got time that's exciting well and now you've got this book out into the world and working on book two which I'm so excited for 
all your snippets so far. Yes. I can't wait. So book wait. two was actually book one. That was the first book I ever started writing was curated. Okay. And I like had it mapped out as a trilogy. I like Ryan and Emmy emerged fully formed, like from the head of a Greek God. And, um, I was about 50,000 words in. And then one morning, like June and Colin popped in my head. We're like, tell our story first. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you won't take that long. And then they got out of hand. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like writing and they were like, make his sister Phoebe. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. You're right. Oh no. Okay. Now I have to rewrite this one to put it into the same world, um, which I actually really love. And it's been really fun to see like characters pop back up as I work through mm-hmm. book too. No, that's so exciting. And I do. I mean, an interconnected series is always so fun whenever you get to see the little cameos of all of the characters before and how they all like just you get to see them interact more I feel like which is fun yeah there's some really sweet moments um I mean in this draft who knows what it'll actually end up being um <laughs> yeah. where you get to see June giving advice which is nice because like all June did was get advice in in sports and so you get to mm-hmm. see her now kind of be the person who can be like yeah it's really important that you like do what feels right to you so I like, like that switch and then um there's a, a constant background of everyone giving June and Colin shit for getting together so quickly. And so that's been really fun to write of like, um, just like constantly making fun of them. And just everyone it's, dogging it's, on them. Yeah. Everyone is like constantly dogging being like, what do you know? You guys met in four days. Shut up. Like you don't actually know how the real world works, <laughs> which has been really funny because, uh, I've gotten that man in my own life. Like, Oh, you moved to California for five months and now you're, a decade later, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know what dating's like. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I I know it's not for everyone, but I am an insta love stan. I love it. It's so ridiculous, and I think that makes me love it more. Um, but yeah, I mean, now you get to say, well, suckers, look what look. It turned out just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like there was a while ago. There was like a I'm not on Twitter, but I saw it on Instagram. Just like how I see. TikToks on the reels two weeks later because I'm old. Um, <laughs> but the, like, you think romance novels are unrealistic, but like, here is the actual story of my life. And it's like, yeah, romance novels seem unrealistic, but like, I moved to California for five months, met a guy on night one, and now I live with him 10 years later. Like, that is pretty ridiculous. And it works. It's been cool to see, like, there's a, a small subset, like a subset sect of the world who has worked at camp and like mm-hmm. time in the world of camp bubbles, like, exists on a different scale um and so it's nice because people who have been counselors or worked outdoor ed are like oh yeah that like totally makes sense four (laughs) days of camp is like seven months in reality it's just like it's a weird like space time continuum funk yeah Um, (laughs) you have to bond quickly there you have to bond quickly which is hilarious because like book two takes place over the course of a year and so when i went to like map it out I was like oh it was so easy to map out book one it was Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and now I have to think about like months and seasons and holidays this is very different than a, a four-day book with a two-week later epilogue like whoa okay oh my gosh so before we jump into some specific questions about s'mores we talked a little bit about the insta love trope but is there any are there some tropes that you love to read that you would want to write or are there others too on the flip side that you just hate and like could never um so I like 
bar none will never write teacher student, even if it's like in grad school. Um, I just have like a weird thing about power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably won't ever write a like single parent just because I am do not have children. Um, mm-hmm. Will probably not have children, so I'm just like I don't know. I'm making this up. Um, <laughs> but then like I also felt that way about reading about reading single parents and then like you know funny feelings comes along and I'm like oh my god this is the best book I've ever read in my life yeah next of kin and I was like yes of course bring me an infant in a romance novel (laughs) bring me an infant and then I for the longest time I was like I hate accidental pregnancy like no and then Maisie Eddings releases Lizzie Blake and I was like god freaking authors are so brilliant so at least for me those are the tropes that I like don't feel comfortable writing um, when I read, I am an absolute mm-hmm. simp for brother's best friend, yep. which is hilarious because I am an only child. So maybe I'm like living out this fantasy world where I have a sibling. Um, yes. I, I love an enemies to lovers. I love workplace romance, which is like all I write is workplace romance broadly. It just works. I love those. I, I, Friends to Lovers is hit or miss for me. Um, when it works, it works so well. Um, but when it doesn't, I'm just mm-hmm. like, why didn't someone say something? Yeah. My big mouth would be like, what? So I would not be that person. Hard to relate to. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, yeah, right. I'm like, oh, why didn't you just like say everything on your mind and share it on your social media? I don't understand. My um, friends are always like, do you have any PR training with your social media? I'm like, nope, I'm just talking all the time about what I'm interested in. It's the best. Yeah, I love interconnected series. I mm-hmm. will read a small town romance in a heartbeat, but having grown up in a small town, I'm like, it actually really sucks <laughs> in a small town. Like, there is no cute old lady on the corner. There's just like sad, but it's also because I'm from like the Rust Belt. <laughs> like, there's no fun things in small towns in Western Pennsylvania and Appalachia. Yeah, yeah. I think at this point, I'm just like reading everything. I want to write historical at some point. That would be um, fun. But it'll be like about city planning or something really dorky. It'll be like Parks and Recs in 1920. Oh my gosh. No one that's, that's it. Parks and Rec. Leslie Nova, the Gilded Age, like early college graduate. Yes. Actually, no, that's a great idea. I would read that so fast. You have no clue. <laughs> I literally am looking at a 500 page book on the history of city planning that I'm reading right now. So, I mean, it's there. I mean, you could make it happen. That was a longabout way to say I'm open. <laughs> I'm open to a lot of things. Um, and I am just so damn impressed when anyone makes marriage of convenience work in contemporary. Because it, it's like, it shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And then it does. And I'm like, this is so beautiful. Um, obviously, like, Chloe Lee does it in, with Absolute Rudy, which is my favorite Bergman. A proposal mm-hmm. they can't refuse. Nails it. Phenomenal. Um, and then Tara DeWitt's new book that's coming out this month is like the most understated, beautiful marriage of convenience. <laughs> it's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute because I just finished it last night. I set up way too late and oh my God, I, I still don't have words. I don't know how I'm going to write a review. I got the chance to beta it. It like made me feel like almost a real author. And I was like, she trusts me. For this. I love characters and I like especially female characters 
that aren't conventionally sweet and like maternal and nurturing. Like Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, And I think I just, it's so great. It was truly beautiful. Um, And she really nails the like desolation and beauty of the Northern California coast. That is um, one of my favorite places. So it's perfect. It's wonderful. It's perfect. I, we don't have to go more into it and get off track, but I, yeah, I haven't really talked to anybody about it yet. And I was thinking about a review today and I was like, I, I don't know, just read it, just read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything she touches is she's like Midas. It's gold. I just, I just got my copies of Rootbound and Funny Feelings in the mail because I had to have a physical copy of both. I, well, Meyer is phenomenal but I would fight someone for Henry. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. The, the scene, or I think it's the line that lives rent free in my head is it's something like I watch him blow a bubble with my gum. And like, that's the, that's the line that made my head just explode with love. Perfect. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, well, getting back to your amazing book <laughs> and Colin and June, which <laughs> I love, I love them both as well. Um, I did have a question because just going back to camp and Colin's t-shirts was one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the book, which is maybe silly, but they're just so funny. And I just need to know if you have any or if you, I mean, did you come up with those? Also, I guess that's a two part question. I don't own any currently. I did used to own a lot of uh, Corny Camp t-shirts. At one point, I used mm-hmm. to run um, camping programs for my undergrad when I was there. And um, we, we wanted, we, we took a group of kids kayaking and we wanted to get shirts that said, I learned how to perform a wet exit, uh, which is the term <laughs> for when you leave your kayak underwater. And the university administration was like, you cannot have university branded things that I learned how to perform a wet exit. So um, that one did not make it. Um, I actually put a call out on my Facebook to all of my old camp friends. Like, what are your corniest camp t-shirts? And so most of them come from people who worked at camp. I love that. Uh, The one he wears that's called, that sees the day at Camp Del Mar is my little Mm -hmm. um, homage to the surf camp here in San Diego. That is actually a shirt that they make at the Y here. But that's where I actually took my eighth graders to camp for the longest time is the camp on the beach. Um, Live Laugh Lake. I don't know where that came from. I just really loved it. And I was just obsessed with it. Um, I really love puns mm-hmm. as, as by the title, by the shirts. And so I think it was just a chance to, yes. to have a lot of fun and add some levity um, into a book that at times I think can be really serious. And so like having, you know, mm-hmm. Camp directors doing the woods or friends and your shows get toasted together. I just, I don't know. I love those little things. Eventually I want to like make stickers with all of them on it, but I just have to get my life together. Yes. Okay. Well, you, that would be amazing. And I would buy all of them because I did love, I did love, you also need a condiments one. Yeah. That is the scene that um, uh, I get, I think I get the most messages about is when people encounter the condom condiment scene. Really? Yeah, which again was like an aside. I was like, I don't think anyone will like think this is funny, but it makes me laugh. Ha 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 ha. And I, I always knew that when I was writing 
romance, I wanted uh, consent and like safe sex to be a really important part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I am like doing, I taught sex ed every year. It's actually my favorite thing to teach in school um, is sex ed. And so finding ways that I could like bring that up, I think in really fun ways uh, was, was a, a nice part of writing this book. Also, I am team Colin. I think mustard is bullshit and I hate it so much. And I'm, I'm, I hate, I hate mustard. Also, my other secret is that I actually hate marshmallows and like do not enjoy them. Really? <laughs> no, I own all these like beautiful like s'mores gifts that people have bought me. And I'm like, I, these are adorable. But like given the chance, I'm just going to eat the graham crackers and chocolate and not actually eat the marshmallow. <laughs> Well, it's funny because before this, I was just, I was going over my like highlights just to refresh everything. And one of them that I highlighted was um, Colin, I think saying that, you know, you should always remember the last time you ate a marsh or a marshmallow. And I was like, that's true. It's so sweet. I did really love his perspective on, on things. He's a, he's a big old cinnamon roll. I, I just, I like writing soft men mm-hmm. because they exist and I happen to have many lovely like I, I partnered with one I have many friends who are like that um and like don't get me wrong like I'll read an all an alpha no problem in my books but <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yes sign me up for like the miles high club yes um but I I don't know I just think there's something very sweet about men being vulnerable in books um and I think we can like secretly get men to read them. And then it's like the Burman's book club, right? I'm just going to name drop all my favorite books. In the yes. uh, yes. But I, I think that there's a lot to for, for people to learn. And also I've been talking about this. I think that there's like, you know, there's a lot of younger readers of romance now, especially with like the, the rise of bookstagram and book talk. Mm-hmm. And I think we have as authors have this like really cool ability to show what healthy relationships look like and how they can look a variety of different ways. Yeah. And like, I think if I would have read, you know, books that emphasized um, like more female pleasure and talking and communication as like a 15 or a 16 year old, as we're like all sneaking those books. Right. And like, now it's so easy because you can like read on your phone. You know, I, I think that's yeah. beautiful. I mean, last year I saw an eighth grader pick up the first Akatar and I was like, well, at least she learns about consent. Like maybe she's being a little like young, but like there's like consent and pleasure, and like that's cool. Yeah. Um, and she was like, "My mom bought this for me," and I was like, "I don't." She knows what's in it. That's great. She saw it in the YA fantasy section. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I'm always like, I don't know why this book is shelved as YA, but like, props. <laughs> Congrats. No, but you're right. We we really do have um, kind of a unique opportunity right now of kind of sharing those. And that is important for those things to be shouted, really. I mean, that for so long have been like stigmatized or something like that. Yeah, there's, um, and I know like we have questions and stuff, but in um, in Curated, uh, Emmy is on some um, pretty severe SSRIs. And anyone who is on the brand of brain meds knows that they are life-saving and amazing, but they definitely um, impede like sex drive and like, ability to finish um and like i wanted to bring that into the book and have that be part of the conversation um in a really natural way so people don't feel like, guilty or crappy because like these these are really important meditations like they literally save lives if they work for you yeah and, like 
all of these things help you be like a holistic fulfilled person and so like that communication is really important yeah it ended up being a lot more spicy than s'mores so that'll be fun too really oh my gosh I love all the little tidbits about (laughs) curated (laughs) they're like in my brain right now so yeah well I'm all ears um but going back to s'mores just really quick because this was my other burning question was about murder couch I want to know everything and anything about <laughs> where you came up with murder couch and the what was it typhoid blanket? I can't remember it's what the, the blanket was, but <laughs> collar blanket. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. So, so the the truth is that when you do work full time on camp, your housing is is paid for. It's awesome and like Colin's line about like it's like living in a freshman year dorm with all of your friends is is true. I mean, you most people who work full time at camp are twenty two to probably like twenty eight, broadly, and then you like move up into directors and get mm-hmm. older. But it's kind of this like extended college adult camp experience where you know you you smash twelve you know, 25 year olds together who are all teaching and also outdoorsy and like drinking all the time. And it's, it's like a dirtbag real world. And I love it. And some of my best friends in my life come from those, those little moments. Um, but the thing about it is, is like all this housing is just like, whatever someone left is the furniture that's there. Um, and every camp house I lived in for like camp apartment building had like a gross, plat like brown plaid grout couch like they, it's just like essential and everywhere and the one <laughs> that's like we lived in, in 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 california um like there was a hole in the fireplace that it would snow through and like that was just part of it like i would routinely oh my god myself. yeah it was a disaster i would lock myself out of my bedroom because i was like sleeping in my partner's bedroom but then i would have to like get my clothes for the next day and i would like have to crawl in through the window outside Seriously, there's like a whole series of romance novels just on. It's like an NA series of, of camp kids. Um, so yeah, that's where it comes from. It's like the murder couches is like this gross, eclectic thing. I have this backstory that like June got very into binging like Law and Order SVU during COVID, mm-hmm. um, and so like she's always thinking about like DNA evidence, and so that's that's where the murder <laughs> couch came from. And then I also knew that when she was going to make the joke again about the color of blanket i was like june is definitely an oregon trail girl like she's you know she's one of our our, right like she is an elder millennial like she was raised dying of cholera hunting for off like Mm -hmm. bison like that was and so that that's where the cholera the cholera blanket came from (laughs) yeah june June knows what's up june is a mess and i love her dearly with all of my heart She's so fun. Um, Yes, the murder couch came from that. I love that so much. I love that it's pretty much real in like multiple places. (laughs) Yeah, there are like Colin's house is just like a room from different places I've lived on camp. Like I I have it seen in my head and I know like exactly where it would be on camp. Um, I know whose kitchen it is. I know whose living room it is. Like I, I just... It's like kind of just piecemeal from around my my brain. I love that. That's so fun. I tell everyone now, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not original. I'm just stealing everything from all of you. <laughs> I love that it's just like pieces of every camp experience just like 
merged together. Yeah. My, uh, the, the horrible, like off color joke that you can cut if it doesn't, um, if it doesn't fit the not explicit is that, uh, one of our best friends, no, we're good. Uh, got the book. <laughs> he got the book and he lives up in Seattle and he called me and he was like, so like, I could read this, but I'm pretty sure I got the audiobook version of this when you guys first started dating. And I was like, shut up. I- <laughs> um, so yeah. He's like, yeah, been there, heard that. <laughs> he met his wife at camp too, so he can't talk. Um, okay, what else you got? I'm happy to talk about everything. Okay. Okay, well, Kristen made me swear. Well, she she said to tell you hello. I texted her before. <laughs> and then she made me swear to ask you about the love hypothesis sex scenes. <laughs> I just, all I'm going to say is I pictured like a snake unhinging its jaw, and, like eating an egg. That's all I think every time. Yeah, that's like all I think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to keep it together. <laughs> now I'm going to have to reread it and just think of <laughs> Although that was not my favorite part of the book at all. I don't like to poop on a lot of books because anyone who writes a book deserves credit. But um, I have a lot of personal issues with the way Adam's character just like, is like, I'm a jerk and that's science. And I'm like, "Mm, that's the reason like women don't go into science. And then, (laughs) no, don't have to be this way. You don't have to be mean to your grad students. (laughs) And then then his jaw unhinges. (laughs) And then his jaw hinges, and like he's so big and she's so tiny. And I'm like, I think that's also hard because like I'm five seven, five eight, and I'm like, I don't know what it's like to be tiny in pockets. <laughs> like I just lumber through the world. Um, that, book. <laughs> that book. Oh my gosh. Okay, else. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> fine. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, I may end up cutting some of this out of what I'm about to say because I don't want to offend any Allie Hazelwood fans. And I really do actually enjoy, like, I enjoyed her second book. I have not read it. And I read one of her novellas. Yes. I I think I liked book two better than book one. I don't know. I, I It was one where it, it really caught my attention and I, like, read it really quickly. Um but I so anyway, so I also read one of her novellas and there is not one spicy scene in like any of the books that I like at all. But I like everything else like fine. <laughs> but I'm like, like I, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. They're all horrible. I, I love a nerdy rep. Like, yes, I love it. And like, yeah, Ryan and Colin are nerdy boys. But like I draw the line at like comparing your body to like craters on mars that's like what i was like i was just about to say that. <laughs> someone sent me those those screenshots and i was like nope can't do it can't do it like what's the point like I, get it. like I love nerdy shit i'm all about it and like ryan is forever bringing up like dirty dinosaur backs in bed and like that's cool i don't know i just everyone's got their own thing that's see that's cool like go do it in an exhibit but Anyways. Yeah, I actually I messaged someone today and I was like I was like flipping through my printed draft to edit and I was like, damn it, I forgot to write the dry humping scene in the collection. I was like, okay, edits from draft two. Must insert here. <laughs> yeah. It's a great book. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry for my my tangent there. No, oh, please. We're we're gonna be good at that. Okay, but going back to Bookstagram a little bit. With you kind of just entering into it from more of an author's perspective, um, 
what has brought you the most joy with that one? And what's the best way that we can support you as, as readers, like through that online space? Um, I love talking to people. I just like, I generally like, I know that there's a lot of, you know, discourse about how terrible social media is. I think if you curate your feed, it's actually really wonderful and, and can be supportive. Mm-hmm. I love talking to people. I love the connections I've met with people. I feel like I have really amazing, genuine friendships. Like it's great to like wake up from voice with voice models from like literally across the world because you know I've got friends in India and Scotland and yeah and all over the place. So I think that's been really fun. It's just the, the genuine connection um, when people are reading s'mores and they like it. <laughs> um, I love when they tell me what they like or like ask questions about it. Um, I could talk about Judy and Colin forever and like their backstories and futures that I've made up and. Um, I've been working through doing the annotations of um, of the book when I did that giveaway after my Instagram almost exploded. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really fun to be like, oh, yeah. And I, I totally know, like, they did this here. And, like, this is a little addition. And just knowing how it fits in, um, I think it's really fun. And I've also loved connecting. I, I weirdly have a lot of Canadian readers who like my book. And my friend Hannah says it's because Canadians like a cozy romance. Uh-huh. Um, and I swear to God, somehow every bookstagrammer who lives in Ohio has found me and been like, you went to Ohio State? Yeah! And I'm like, yep. and like, I did. <laughs> Tiny little, like, blink and you miss it reference to Ohio State. Uh, and I swear to God, anyone who reads it who went to Ohio State is like, boom, I got it. And I love that. That makes me really happy. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's kind of hinted out that that's where Phoebe went to undergrad is at Ohio state. And then my next Emmy is from Ohio as well. I'm not even from Ohio. I just spent my life a lot of my life there. Well, Hey, that's, that's huge. No, but I think you do a great job of continuing like sharing about June and Colin. You do such a good job of like when you talked about their Halloween costumes and their Instagram pages and stuff. I just, that's almost more fun for me as a reader to see how they live on like in your head (laughs) I guess that's weird but I it's true no it's been really fun to think about that and like to also think about how they show up in the next few books like they don't go away I think that's great I mean like I mean I think the two authors that do that best are like Love Light shows up really well um and Bergman's like just how characters pop up and back and forth I think is is really wonderful and I, I really admire that for those interconnectedness in that way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I have got to finish the Bergman series. It's I, I finished book one, but I want to get to Axel because that's all that I ever see shared. God, my I, my love for Axel Bergman knows no bounds. Um and not just because he's a tall lanky man who wears flannel, which like is my <laughs> my wheelhouse. Um <laughs> Um, I also, I mean, I like that book. Um, um, I lived abroad in Sweden for a little bit during college. Oh my gosh, that's so I cool. Like the, the Swedish culture that comes through in the Bergen series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, Bamberg and the town where Camp Pekinsey is both have Scandinavian-derived names. Um, Bamberg actually means friend mountain in Swedish without like a little umlaut over the A, um, which is why the brewery in town is called Mountain Friend. Okay, that's cool. And every beer that's mentioned from that brewery is a little like pun in Swedish. Um, so, so June drinks a red called fishing rod and 
our O with an umlaut D is red in Swedish. Oh and it's gosh. a red IPA. So. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. If, if we didn't already know you were a genius from working on like your second master's program, that just sealed the deal. <laughs> yeah. It's That's so cool. I can actually use my Swedish language skills. Um, and yeah, hopefully if I can keep doing this, uh, there'll be a connected duology in the brewery in Bamberg. That's the plan after the museums. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so switching over a little bit to curated, which is book two, hopefully yeah. coming out in February ish. February is the hope. Um, I just, I know I don't want to compete with holiday stuff. That scares me. That's fair. Yeah. Um, to give me some time. So late January, early February, um, we'll see what, what scheduling works out. Yeah. I definitely, I, it's going to need a lot more revisions than S'mores did, which was like a very, mm-hmm. It felt like a very straightforward story to tell, um, but I think that this one needs just a little bit more crafting. But I'm I'm really happy with it, and it's it's setting up for still interconnected, but like a, a trilogy of three close friends who all work at the same museum. Oh my gosh, I love it so much! So, do you want to give just a quick little blurb for curated? Yeah, so so curated is curated is about a prickly grumpy historian who is the history curator for a a historic house on a university campus and their history center is forced to combine with the science center on campus because of budget cuts and she finds herself sharing an office and being forced to plan an exhibit with the paleontology curator who is a golden retriever minnesota sunshine boy named ryan and um sparks begrudgingly fly for emmy and uh it's a lot about being a nerd working in museums um conversations about like what does history mean what's the relevance of museums in the modern day um in the way that s'mores was a way for me to talk about my thoughts about education um curated is a way for me to talk about my thoughts about working in museums which again is what i did before teaching Mm -hmm. and then there's like a few other Every book has like a little bit of a commentary on it, I think. Um, that's something I'm realizing about my writing. Yeah. And they're very cute. It's grumpy sunshine. I'm so excited for Ryan. I I truly do love a grumpy, morally gray man. But lately, there has been something about the sunshiny guy that is, I don't know, it is getting me lately where I'm like, yes, like obsessed. <laughs> yeah, he's just like a nice Minnesota boy. and. His his growth and like he definitely um, I'm excited because he's a little bit um, he's got more of a, a growth arc than Colin. This is also dual POV, so I get you get to hear or read his perspective, um, which is nice. Um, Love that he he is the type of guy, the type of like attractive white man who like things work out for, um, and doesn't necessarily understand that not everyone has things kind of just come easy to them. Mm-hmm. And so his growth, I think, comes with realizing that the way things have worked for him doesn't work for Emmy, and the way that he perceives things is not necessarily the way that all other parties perceive things, which I like. I think that's a, it's a good growth for, for him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, I can't even put into words. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for him, um, but I'm also waiting on pins and needles for Declan. I think, I don't know, he might be my favorite. And I've only seen him in like two scenes. <laughs> that was really fun. Not that I don't love Colin in his socks and sandals, because I really do. But 
Um, if if my I don't have it in my room. I have this like notebook that everything's in from like work to planning to to uh, stuff. And the first thing I wrote in it was mm-hmm. book one, Ryan and Emmy. Book two, Phoebe and bartender question mark. And then when I was writing the end of Swarms, I was like, this is the perfect time to tease this. And then I did not realize how many people were like, God damn you, we want that story next. And I was like, oops, sorry. I ain't saving it. <laughs> you gotta wait. <laughs> There's this very precious scene. Um, again, that exists in this draft. We'll see where it ends up. But um, they they go, the whole gang, which is Emmy, Phoebe, and Jeremy is the exhibition um, designer. He's the third in their little trio. Um, they drag Ryan out to Declan's bar after this big fundraising gala for the museum. And like Jeremy falls asleep in a booth because he's drunk <laughs> and um ryan and emmy go and order drinks and like phoebe basically like sends a drink down to emmy and then like reaches across the bar and grabs Declan's arm and is like tell me about this tattoo tell me about this tattoo and like he just lets her uh which is like no one else can get away with that and i just it's like this very precious moment of like mm-hmm. oh he's so gone and she has no freaking clue uh, and there's like lots of there's moments of like Emmy giving, uh, giving Phoebe shit about it too. Yes, love that. There's a lot of like loving shit talk in my books. I tell you, interact with my friends. Like me, I'm just like a lovable shit talker. I think it makes it more realistic because yeah, I feel like most of us do. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really fun, and it was also, and I think I've said this online, but it was really important to me that uh, curated passed the Bechdel test, which is. It's, it's originally for movies, and it's if two women talk to each other about something that isn't a man, it passes the Bechdel test. The bar is incredibly low. Um, most movies don't. And Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real. when you start looking at it, it's, like, very sad to, like, start looking at the world like that. S'mores only passes it because of one line that June asks Phoebe about her museum. Mm-hmm. And someone was like, well, June talks to herself enough. She, she passes the Bechdel test with herself. Um, but it was really important for me to, (laughs) it was important for me to have scenes of like Phoebe, June and Emmy, like being friends and not just talking about the men in their life, but like talking about careers and talking about, um, life plans. Cause I think that's, that was really important. And it was important for me to like show that like June has friends and like June, June doesn't just like exist for Colin, right? Like she becomes like subsumed into this world and like does get this new, um, new community to support her in this new life so I thought was that's been really fun to work great too yeah I love that I love a good friend group like guy or girl I love seeing them all interact and yeah it's it's more fun almost when they're having a conversation that's not about <laughs> the guy I mean obviously those are fun too but yeah it makes them seem more real I guess I would want to be friends with all of them I think I would like them a lot yeah me too absolutely Okay, well, shall we get into the Q&A portion? Yes, I'll continue to answer questions and continue to ramble in my life. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Okay, if you could pass any advice along to aspiring writers, what would it be? Um, Just write the book. (laughs) Um, Your first draft is going to be hard, and you're going to love it, and then hate it, and then love it, and then hate it. But like the idea of just showing up is really important. And the other piece of advice, which is 
kind of how I managed to do all of these things um, is a phrase that's, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And so like, if you look at this like hugely daunting task, like, oh my God, I have to write 80,000 words and then I have to edit, like that's, that's too much. And it, it really scares people. And if you can just focus on, I'm going to write a hundred words, then you are seeing like tiny bit, bit um, tiny bits of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, just show up is actually tattooed on my arm from an old running group. Oh, wow. If anyone's ever seen online, I, I post um, pictures of like, just like a giant thing of like X in squares. Um, each one of those squares is a hundred words. And like, it makes me feel like I'm making progress, even if that's just like 10 minutes of writing, it's still like something towards it. Um, which is all borrowed from back in the before times I used to run ultra marathons and the training philosophy that defined all of that (laughs) was, um, relentless forward progress. Like, even if you're walking, you are still making progress towards the finish line. And I think that's what gets me through, um, I love that. That's beautiful. That's what gets me through. And also keep reading. Like that's the other thing. Like read your genre and talk to people. Also, authors are really nice in their DMs. Like the amount of people who I was like, I don't understand Amazon KDP. Can you help me? <laughs> like that's how I first started talking to Tara the Wit was like, um, how do I publish? <laughs> like, but I think nine times out of ten, those people are very friendly and there are there is room enough for all of us at the indie publishing table. I think that's also important. Yeah, just write the damn book. You can't publish it if it's in your head. Just write it. Well, no. And from everyone that I've talked to so far, the overwhelming consensus is that everyone or almost everyone in indie publishing, all the authors have really formed such a amazing community and really are willing to walk walk you through things. And I think that's so special. And we touched on it a little bit about like bookstagram, but you know, that's not something that happens on the internet very much of people just genuinely being excited for everyone else. And so I think that makes it more special of the community that everyone's kind of created in our little corner. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I think you definitely see that like people run in like their circles of friends um, and you'll find them. And then, but like, literally sometimes all it takes is like sliding into someone's DMs and being like, I really liked your book. Can we talk about this one random thing? Like, it's amazing. And then all of a sudden you're yeah. beta reading their book or they're like giving you advice on character development. And that's, I think that's really cool. Um, it, it's way more supportive than I would have thought. The first book felt very, I'm doing this like in the dark of the morning, hiding it. And now I'm just like, who wants a snippet? Like, I'm like... <laughs> that it, it just feels like there's a lot more people on my side with book two, which is really exciting. Yeah. It's so cool. Well, that really leads us well into question two, which is who was your biggest cheerleader while writing? While writing. Um, so I love my partner with all of my heart. He will not read my writing. <laughs> like he's like, nope, that's your thing. Um, that's like, Kristen's constantly asking if, if he's read any of the spicy scenes. I'm like, no, he, he doesn't. Um, I, my, my best friend. You just reenact them. <laughs> um, my best friend is uh, a woman named Angela who is, uh, dating actually Brady's best friend. And they met because they sat next to each other during a live podcast recording and he drunkenly talked through the whole thing and then forgot to get her number. Oh and then someone ended up getting her number and they were dating for like four years. Um, so she was like my biggest cheerleader. She was reading it. She's not even a romance reader, um, but she is a reader. 
and she gave amazing feedback on it. So um, Amanda was great. Or that's another friend of mine. Um, awesome. Angela was phenomenal. I've got a friend who I randomly met. Um, so I was on Jeopardy, and there's a very intense Facebook group for women who have been on Jeopardy. And then there's a subgroup of wow. women who have been on Jeopardy who read romance. <laughs> and I found a friend who lived in my city um, who we ended up becoming like actual real life best friends. And so she read a lot of it too and like understood the genre. So I think they were my biggest cheerleaders. And then just um, now uh, I've got so many people on my side on the pie, like for book two. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'm in a, I'm a, in an insta love author relationship with Hannah Bonham Young who wrote Next of Kin yes and I swear I talk to her like 4,000 times a day I love that um, just about everything and so she's been very helpful for like getting me through like the panic moments of like I should delete this right I should delete everything I've ever written um that's been she's been really really phenomenally helpful over the last couple of months that's so cool. I loved your guys's live on Instagram and I'm very excited to read her book, her first one, Next of Kin. So I'm going to get, I'm going to be reading oh, that one soon. It's so good. And uh, the second one comes out in November and it is, Matt is about to jump to everyone's top of the list for both boyfriends. Like I just, it's wonderful. I can't wait. I'm crossing my fingers. I, uh, she'll come on the podcast and we can, can chit chat. She's delightful. Um, but yeah, I think now it just feels like, oh, a lot of people are on my side and it feels good and exciting. Yeah. Well, question number three was, what was the hardest part of the writing process? We may have touched on this a little bit already, but. I think the hardest part um, is like the three days after publication when it's just out and you can't change it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you've let a typo slip through, which for me was pubic bone became public bone and I will never let that down <laughs> on my first printing. Um, <laughs> and now I just like lean into it. I think it's hilarious. I'm like, I've read this thing 4,000 times. Like, that's, I was, you know what? For a typo, that, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> it's fine. But I think that moment where like you put it out there and you realize like I have no more control over people's interpretation or like um, on thoughts on this. And like, I think you hear a lot of indie authors say like, oh yeah, I don't check Goodreads. That's a lie. I check Goodreads all the time. I am like a sucker for self-punishment. And like, sometimes it's like, yeah, someone liked it. Other times it's like, oh, okay. And like, I know I shouldn't, but like, I also have obsessive compulsive disorder. So like, <laughs> sorry, working on it. Maybe some people are better than me who don't check it, but I definitely do. So I think that's the hard part. Um, especially when you write a story that feels personal and someone's like, they don't maybe get it in the way you interpret it, but like that's that's the beauty of writing. It's like not book, not yeah. all books are for everyone, and I think that's a constant mantra you tell yourself. Yeah, and then it's also been hard um, when I've been writing, working on book two. Like, I think the phrasings for things of book one just felt like, oh, this is the way June talked. Then I had to be like, did June and Emmy sound different enough? Like, are there distinct character voices and like, you know, is Ryan also having enough of a different voice and making sure that like their personas are different like even little small things of like do they kiss mm-hmm. differently like i don't want them like following the same kissing pattern as june and colin like what do they do differently how are they different in bed how are they different in conversation and like making sure that they feel like two like distinct characters 
Um, so I never thought I'd be analyzing spicy scenes for that. But, you know, here we are. And that's just a fun new yeah. application. <laughs> I was going to say, I would have honestly never thought about that, especially with like the more intimate scenes, I guess, like with the kissing and stuff, because... But you're right that that is important to to make that differentiation. And has it been different too? I kind of forgot to ask this earlier with writing book two. Has it been hard writing from uh, Ryan's point of view at all? Um, yes and no. Emmy is an own voices anxiety rep, and so that feels very easy to write. Like I, I a lot of her spirals are just like mm-hmm. point taken from me. Like she's got this whole her pre-flying ritual is my anxiety pre-flying ritual. I just checked it with Chelsea to make sure it was accurate. And, um, but Ryan, I think the sense of like learning to fall and under- fall for and understand someone with anxiety um, has been a lot of like talking with mm-hmm. my partner and my friends of like, what was it like when you first figured out like, this is my brain work. So that's been really fun. I, and this is hilarious. And I'm, oh my God, I'm sure uh, Like inadvertently, I was reading it and I was like, I think he has a foot thing. Like I read a bunch of things and I was like, I think, yeah, no, I'm just going to make it like explicit. Okay. And that's just like when characters talk to yourself. Yeah. Um, which is like not a thing that I'm into, but okay, we're just going to roll with it. And I think it came from uh, romantically inclined, went on like a rant about like you feel you see every kink in the book in romance but you like you never see someone who's in defeat and i was like that's a great point so it's, it's a minor thing but um that's been interesting to write <laughs> but still he spoke he spoke to you in that moment <laughs> he spoke to me and the other fun thing about ryan is um emmy is tall emmy is 5'11 and she's a weightlifter like that's how she deals with her anxiety Ooh. and it's been great to write a man like thirsting over a woman's muscles because I feel like we often see the opposite. Like, obviously, we're going to write... I'm going to write a yeah. scene in every book. But, like, I, I guess, like, I've never read a book where, like, he notices her triceps. And I think, like, that's been really cool to write. Yeah, no. So I think that's what Yeah. And he's a big nerd. And she's a big nerd. And so there's lots of, like, little, like, history and, like, dinosaur jokes um, peppered throughout. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. So it's been fun, too. I'm really excited about the dinosaurs. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. I love museums so much. I just can't work in them. That's awesome. Um, okay, next question. I I don't know. I'm making it sound like it's weird, but <laughs> I just don't know There's the meaning behind it or if there is any meaning to it at all. But it just says favorite sweater, question mark. So... So this person, I think maybe whoever it is knows a little bit more about curated than most people. Um, Ryan has like an obscene sweater collection. Like he just he always is wearing a sweater and looks good at it. So oh. that's, I think, where like references to like, whereas Colin is like a man in corny t-shirts. Ryan is a man in a sweater. Um, I love a good like fair aisle sweater, like the intricate snowflake patterns, like think like coast of ireland vibes i love a good sweater i love a good sweatshirt i like to be cozy and then i move to a freaking desert where it never gets cold but that's fine yeah that sucks <laughs> yeah ryan's a sweater boy emmy is like dark academia oh my gosh okay just made a really weird noise but it's because i'm so excited for ryan and his sweaters now he's i love him he's great <laughs> 
Okay, next question was, are the camp poop stories based on real-life camp experiences? Um, yes. So if you haven't read the book, I begin the morning after they first have sex with our female character having a horrible poop because that is really what happens with camp food. It, as Colin said, will wreck mm-hmm. your system. Um, every single one of those stories happened to me or someone I know. They are... SVU style ripped from the headlines. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was the camp director or the assistant director who had to go around camp and flush all the toilets after the generator oh was used gosh. for the fridge. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's a very Mm-mm. memorable moment in my life. Um, yeah, it's helpful that I, I tend to you know have a lot of friends who worked at camp because I learned I was writing that book and I was like, give me a weird story that happened to you. Um, And everyone has one. And that's another fun thing. Um, Like, yes, I get a lot of messages from like burned out teachers, but who are like, so I've got this weird poop story. And I'm like, I love the internet. It's so weird. It's wonderful. (laughs) I don't know. I'm all about like normalizing like weird parts of life. I just think it's like a, it's a very weird gesture that like the first time June thinks about like falling in love with Colin is when he's like comforting her through a door as she's shitting but like that's that's real, and that also comes from the fact that um, uh, when when the dude and I met, um, our entire staff house got norovirus one week, and we all got quarantined. Oh my gosh! And like, we sent like forty kids home from camp that week, and like those of us who were in the house got very close. And I was like, well, there's like nothing to hide anymore. So I think that's kind of where that one came from too. That is awesome. So if anyone listening, I guess, hasn't read Needs More Time, you do have some really hysterical and gross <laughs> poop stories to look forward to that are based on real life. So there you go. Come, come for the poop stories. Stay from millennial burnout. That's, that's my book. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really are. They really are so funny. And like you said, they, they are real life. So... Okay, next question is <laughs> Next question is what is your writing process like? Which I want to add on um because you do have two other, you know, jobs plus you're going to grad school. So yeah, how how do you <laughs> kind of fit writing in to all that? Um I So as far as like planning a book is I am a, a rough outline sketcher and then I just kind of fill in. I don't write in order. I write which scenes feel right or easy at the time. Um, and then like fill in throughout drafts. And that's, that's why reading from draft one to draft two is a nightmare. Cause I'm like, Oh, I started the subplot and it never went anywhere. I can see that way people do that. So that's kind of where I go with the actual writing process. Um, I tend to write most in the mornings. I like to wake up early. Um, so I like for s'mores, I was finishing that at like 4 a.m. Okay. A little bit less early this year, but I'm doing a lot of, of morning sessions, some night sessions. Um, and then as far as managing everything, again, that like philosophy of having an elephant one bite at a time is huge. Um, I love to-do lists, and um, I will never stop singing the praises of an app called Forest, which might be paid, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. And like, basically, you you plant a tiny tree for a set amount of time, and if you touch your phone during that time, the tiny fake tree dies. Oh, okay. And if you plant the tree, you get 
fake gold and you can buy different types of trees. It's just Ooh. enough to interrupt the distraction of like scrolling or doing something else and like setting that time of like, okay, I've got 45 minutes. What can I do? And if like I'm done with my to-do list, then I can like do other things because I can't end it early because then my time tree will die and that makes me sad. Yeah. So it's, I've, I've got a tree for grad school, a tree for work, work, and a tree for um, writing. And the tree for writing is like two trees kissing. It's very cute. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And like, I will also say that I'm a fast reader, so I can read quickly for grad school. I have amazing friends who don't mind if I'm writing while we hang out in my backyard. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have a wonderful supportive partner who, when I'm like, I can't talk because I have a paper due tomorrow. He's like, okay, cool. I'm going to listen to Slipknot for 45 minutes while you write a paper. He will also listen to Slipknot when I'm like trying to write a romance novel. And I was like, man, this is not the vibe. Like, <laughs> not my like sweet bluegrass playlist, but okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Brady's been, he's also incredibly helpful. No, but that's wonderful to have so many people surrounding you that you can just be like, nope, need time for this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I have a wonderful family. I found family here in San Diego and on the internet too, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Bookstagram changed everything. <laughs> okay. Last question here is what is your favorite thing about June and Colin? And I'm going to add onto it and ask what your favorite thing also is about Ryan and Emmy. Favorite thing about June and Colin. I love for June and Colin. I love the way they communicate. Um, I think that's the only way I could feel like an instant love story worked. If I was including like a lot of conversation and making sure that they understood each other as people. And it wasn't just about like their physical attraction Mm -hmm. to each other. Mm -hmm. So I think that I really like the way that Colin is constantly asking for consent and checking in. I like that a lot about him. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy the way June just like really learned to listen to what felt right for her. And I think that those are what I love about them, like collectively and individually. Oh, I just got like mm-hmm. very overcomped thinking about them. They're so cute. Um, and uh, for Ryan and Emmy, uh, together, they are, when they get together, they are the type of couple that um, they they like to tease each other and like kind of like goof mm-hmm. off. And um, like, again, that, that same like loving giving each other shit. Um, that's really fun. Like their dynamic is like very... Like they both want to be in charge and they both like to have someone direct them, um, both in and out of bed. So I like that. Um, I like Emmy's determination. She, uh, she got out of like a crappy hometown and like made her own way. And I really, I think that she's, she's a hard, like an amazingly hard worker and like the type of person who would like literally fight someone for, for her friends. Mm-hmm. And I like Ryan has just like a really big heart and like, truly sees the good in everything and believes that things will work out which is not Emmy because Emmy's always like oh where's the other shoe and he's just like why would it work out that's great and I think that that partnership works really well they're cute (laughs) it's beautiful I love I love that answer so much and oh my gosh I don't even know what to say because I'm just like over here blushing (laughs) and they're all four of them big nerds they're giant nerds which we love Someone recently said 
my brand is is nerds boning in nerdy places. And I was like, I'm not mad about it. I'll take it. TM. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I love them. They're fun. And um, I wish they would just edit themselves. But, you know, we have to. Well, you know. It's fine. <laughs> well, on that note, before we go, can you share just an out of context quote or word or trope or literally anything about curated? I've been thinking about this and like what I want to share. Mm-hmm. I will just say that there is a grand gesture and the grand gesture is incredibly dorky. And the most I have used my master's in museum studies since I worked in museums. Um, and it's based on an exhibit that I really love. And I'm very excited for it. It's, it's a really great grand gesture, if I do say so myself. But I'm not going to tell you who makes it. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that was perfect. Yeah, that's what I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> if it was possible for me to be more excited for a curated, that would have sealed the deal. <laughs> I am so excited about them. And I like the cover is in the works, which will be another, I think, amazing Sam creation. So I'm very excited to see where, where it comes. Oh my gosh, me too. It's Okay. I was going to ask you if there's going to be a dinosaur, but <laughs> maybe that's too much information. Um, I mean, like, I'm still waiting for sketches, but like, uh-huh. I really do want there to be a dinosaur somewhere. Just like, how, just like, even if there are like little s'mores at the beginning of like all the chapters for, oh my gosh, yeah. for Jane Collin, like do a little dinosaur for, for Ryan's perspectives and like a little, I don't know, something nerdy in history, like a photograph for Emmy. I don't know. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to meet them. I, can't wait for everyone that hasn't yet to read s'mores and to prepare themselves for curated but thank you nelly so so much this was so fun you have to come back in february when we can talk more in depth about ryan and then see you know where you're at with with our man declan <laughs> we'll see we'll see with declan and our our dear wonderful phoebe who is yes such a delightful little chaotic mess as well um yeah i'm here i'm always ready to talk yes let's do it (laughs) okay thank you so much this was great you're the best i'm so excited that i got to come in here and talk about my books and and everything all the books oh i forgot to ask you if you're currently reading anything i've been trying to do that and i forgot oh yeah um i'm about to finish scandalized by ivy owens tonight which i'm very excited about and then i have to read the arc of Chelsea's book, um, which I'm very excited about from what I've heard. Yes. And then I want to reread the arc of Hannah's book to see what she did from beta to, to arc. Um, uh-huh. And then I think I am going to take a break from contemporary while I edit and go deep into my backlog of historical romances I haven't read in a while. So I've got a bunch of um, Joanna Shoops and Sarah McLean's to read, and they are just queens of the genre, and I love them so much. So I think that's that's where I'm headed. And then I I still need to read Crescent City. Me too. Yeah, I, I got too overwhelmed when I tried to read Crescent City the first time, and I like I need I need the spark notes so then I could go back in. Like if someone out there has spark mm-hmm. notes for Crescent City, can you DM them to me? 
And all I know is that everyone's like, no, you have to read it. And I'm like, I just, it's so much. I don't understand it. No, I still have to read that one too, but I'm, I'm making myself finish. Well, not making myself. I have to finish Akatar first and I still have to read Silver Flames. So I've been putting that one off, but. Oh my God. Silver Flames is the best. Silver Flames is the best. Nesta is. Yeah. I was like rereading Silver Flames to kind of get a little bit of inspiration for Ryan and Emmy. Like just like their, their banter is next level in that book. Oh, well, I can't wait. I've just been nervous. I've been putting it off for months, but I'm, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm ready to get back into a fantasy read and I'm excited about them. But Crescent City is also on my list, but I'm excited for you to read the companion project. I would like for you to tell me what you think once you get into it. Cause I'm like 40 something person in and I'm obsessed. Yeah, my Kindle is charging right now because I need to, but I also need to edit my midterm on World War One, which is much less fun and like has way less spice. Um, <laughs> but that's how I'm going to reward myself. That's why I edit that tonight. I'm going to start the companion project. So that's where we're going. That's perfect. That's what I did last night. I said I did all this editing and I'm rewarding myself with Henry and Emma. <laughs> I know, and I keep. It's funny. I I keep talking to Chelsea. I'm like, can we just like plan better because. We both wrote a redheaded female character for our Facebook. And then she has Emma. I have Emmy. And I'm like, <laughs> I love you. But we got plans. <laughs> and I will also say a little plug for her. The OCD rep in An Unexpected Paradise is one of the best representations of what it's actually like to live with that mental state. Um, it's just done really well. And I, I want to applaud her for putting that in in a very natural way. So. Yay. <laughs> yeah. She's the best. Yay. Okay. Well, I'll stop rambling your ear off. But <laughs> I was like, I'm going to stop rambling your ear off, but okay. <laughs> we'll both, we'll both let each other get on with our evenings, but thank you again so much for, for being here. All right. Thank you so much. You're the best. I'm so excited. Bye. Wasn't that just so fun? I love Nellie. She is truly a superwoman. She does it all. I mean, she wrote Need Some More Time while working two jobs and going to school to get her master's. Truly incredible. If you guys have not picked that one up yet, I highly recommend it. It is free on Kindle Unlimited as well. And then curated her second novel comes out so soon and arcs will also be available here in the next couple of weeks so if you guys aren't following her you need to be doing that so you can sign up because I just cannot wait for that one it I know it's going to be incredible but thank you guys for listening to another episode and make sure that you tune in for next week and keep an eye out because it will be part two of Jamie and I's episodes and we're going to be talking about all the winter and Christmas book recommendations. So stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Athens Booked Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss any of the amazing upcoming episodes we're going to have. We will have exclusive interviews with indie authors as well as chat with bookstagrammers to bring you the very best book recommendations. 
You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at Athens Booked. And you can sign up for my newsletter at www.athensbook.com so you get all the notifications for everything that we've got coming up.